So good morning everyone. This morning I am doing the first um, in our series on the Psalms um, and I'll just pray quickly before we start. Lord I just thank you for bringing us here this morning though we are few in number we thank you that you are here with us Lord we thank you for how we could already feel your presence as Aaron led us in worship and I just pray that yeah that you would um, give us ears to hear Lord just please help me as I speak Lord let them be your words and not mine Lord and just yeah I just pray that this word would bless people's hearts this morning so I am doing Psalm 91 so a little bit of background just it isn't clear who the author of this psalm was traditionally it's thought to be Moses due to the style of writing but some believe it may have been David. And something I didn't know was that this psalm's known as the soldier's psalm. Um, sort of was looking at this a bit and it seems to be particularly the US military would use this psalm and have it like printed on little cards and things to be given to servicemen and women if they are going to war. Um, so let's just read Psalm 91 together if you want to turn to it. I'm reading from the ESV. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So I wanted to start with a little word study to enable us just to grasp the full depth of meaning contained within these verses and just make sure we weren't going to miss anything that was in the original Hebrew. So I actually went through the whole psalm line by line in Bible Hub. So you can thank me later that you don't need to go and do the same. I've already done it for you. So this is the first couple of verses so it says he who dwells and that word means to remain or to sit in the shelter 
that's the covering or the hiding place of the Most High, will abide in the shadow or shade of protection of the Almighty. I will say, and that can mean to speak out or to say in one's heart, to the Lord, my refuge, my shelter from rain, storm and danger, and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, in whom I feel safe and secure. So I was looking at this and I think there's a very important key contained within these first couple of verses and it's this, if you just bring up the next slide. Oh, it's missing the slide. The word should have been highlighted, I will. And that, it's going to technical difficulties on the back. Um, but our key is contained within those uh, first words there, I will. So this key, I think it's really important for us to grasp this in order to unlock the beauty and life and power contained within the rest of the psalm. I will, those two words sum up our ability to choose. And it's not just our ability to choose, but it's our ability to choose God. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, I believe God has given each one of us the ability to choose. And in some ways, I think as humans, that's like our great superpower. Like we don't really have a whole lot going for us, but we have the ability to choose. It's what makes us humans. We're above the animals who are ruled by instinct and we're not like robots programmed to make certain choices. You know, God doesn't force us to obey him. He has given us free will. And we have choices on a daily basis, choices about the mundane, you know, what to eat for breakfast, what colour of socks to wear, but also larger, more far-reaching choices about how we will decide to live our life. And this choice in life that we all have to make is expressed in Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting at verse 11. So again, if you want to turn to Deuteronomy 30, um, starting from verse 11 and reading until 20. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life 
that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. You know, we can decide for ourselves. You know, I can choose to say that God is my fortress and equally I can choose not to say it. We have choices every day, decisions to make about how we will act and how we will respond to certain situations. And sometimes those choices are easy and sometimes they're incredibly, incredibly difficult. You know, each of us are different. We all have different strengths and abilities, things we are naturally gifted at and things we really struggle with because of who we are, our makeup and our DNA. There are things that we might find easy because we've had positive experiences and nurturing input and things that we really struggle with because of negative experiences and lack of support and nurture. You know, I think any of our teachers, not, I don't know, there's no teachers here this morning. I think they're all off on their holidays <laughs> but I'm sure they would be able to tell you you know they can see kids who have that support at home have that input helping them with their homework and they can thrive in the classroom more easily than maybe other children who don't have that um, and who just really struggle with things more so you know I recognize that experiences can make our ability to choose to make right and good decisions very challenging and I think there are also some instances, you know, I'm thinking of like highly traumatic circumstances where someone's ability to choose is maybe completely taken away by another person or because they're in an extreme life and death situation. Or there are times when an individual completely lacks the cognitive ability to make decisions. And I don't want to belittle any of those types of experiences, you know, because when our control and our free will are taken away, it is highly traumatic. But I think this only serves to show how important, how precious and how powerful our ability to choose is. And when we have that ability at all, even if it seems close to impossible because of external factors, we should fight to use it. We should do everything we can to exercise our superpower to choose good and life. And that choice might take years of a fight it might take the help of a godly counsellor, but it is possible. You know, I like in that passage in Deuteronomy, God already predicted our argument that it's too difficult because he says, it's not too hard for you. The word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your ear so that you can do it. An example that I always think illustrates this ability beautifully is from the life of Corrie ten Boom. And she's my favourite author, I just love her books. Kari was a Dutch watchmaker and later a Christian writer and public speaker who helped many Jews escape from the Nazis during the Holocaust. She was arrested with her family and sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp where, as you can imagine, she witnessed and underwent unspeakable suffering. After the war, as she travelled and told her story, and shared the message of salvation. She was in Germany speaking when this event that I'm going to read to you um, takes place. Let's grab my book here. 
So it was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing centre at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. And he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people in Bloomendal the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. And that's Corrie Ten Boom there. Um, you know, and when I read that, I am just completely blown away by that story. But you know, that is the power of the gospel. That's what Jesus purchased on the cross for us. I don't think there is anyone who would expect Corrie to be able to forgive in that circumstance, or anyone who would have blamed her for not reaching out her hand. But Jesus bought forgiveness for all who choose him. Forgiveness for us. He bought us the possibility of a choice. A choice to choose him and receive his forgiveness and to receive his resurrection, life and Holy Spirit. And it is by the power of his Holy Spirit that we can extend this forgiveness to others. To extend grace when it's least deserved. To choose life and so to give that life to the world. As Cory said, it's what the world's healing hinges on. We see the choice that Cory had, and that's what we're talking about. You know, do we truly believe that we have a choice to choose God and to do the right thing in certain situations? Cory had a choice to forgive the things she knew was right and good, but initially believing she was unable to do it. But with God's help, she chose to reach out her hand and God's power flooded through her. You know, the devil wants us to be stuck and to believe that because of what has happened to us or the struggles we have had, we can't choose something different. We can't choose life. The enemy wants us to believe that the promises contained within the rest of the psalm are not for us, but they are if we choose God. 
God, by his Holy Spirit, empowers us to make those choices that are completely countercultural, that fly in the face of what the world is telling us. So at the start of the psalm, we have a choice, a key to use should we choose to. Will we decide to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, to abide in the shadow and shade and protection of the Almighty? to choose to say the Lord is my refuge, my shelter from rain, storm and danger, my fortress, my God in whom I trust and find safety and security. So that's just the first two verses. Aaron was hoping for a short morning. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully not too long. So we'll just go back to our wee um, word study. So that's uh, verses three to six. So there's just a few wee interesting things as we go through this. It says, for he will deliver. And that word deliver means to snatch away, to rescue and to save you from the snare of the fowler or the bird trap and from the deadly pestilence. That word means plague. And in the original, I think it was actually a type of cattle disease. He will cover you. You know, he will hedge, he will fence about he will shut you in with his pinions or feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness, firmness, truth, sureness, reliability, stability is a shield and that's a large shield and a buckler. Some people thought that might be referring to a smaller shield that's worn on the arm for close combat. You will not fear the terror or dread of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. And that speaks of gloom or spiritual unreceptivity. Nor the destruction that wastes, that destroys, ruins, spoils, and devastates at noonday. And if you just bring up the next slide. A thousand may fall or be cast down or fall away at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense or the punishment or retribution of the wicked, the one guilty of sin and hostile to God. Because you have made, appointed, laid your hands upon, established and determined the Lord your dwelling, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. And that's speaking of a nomad's tent symbolic of wilderness life. So if we were thinking about a key, then what is the lock? What are the things that can keep us bound in chains? And we can see in these verses that there's someone out to do us harm and to trap us like a fowler traps a bird in a snare. And we know that the enemy Satan is out to get us, to trap us, to take away our freedom. And not only that, the psalm speaks of a pestilence, a disease that's not only contagious, but that's deadly. And I think, I'm so glad I'm not talking about COVID this morning, but that obviously all probably puts us in mind of COVID. It speaks of, it speaks of terror and dread in the night, arrows that fly by day, the pestilence stalks in the darkness and the destruction wastes at noonday. Day and night, there are things out to do us harm, the enemy never rests from trying to attack and destroy us. And we see these things are widespread. 
many fall victim to them. It says a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. And I wonder, you know, what does that make you think of? In what way can you see that destruction playing out in lives today? You know, what can we see in our schools, in our workplaces, among our friends, in our community, and our society, and on social media that so many seem to be falling victim to? What is the pestilence that thousands in our generation are succumbing to that ultimately leads to death, be that emotional, spiritual, or physical death? You know, I think of the mental health crisis. The Mental Health Foundation states on their website that Northern Ireland has the highest rates of poor mental health of any of the four UK jurisdictions. You know, I think we all know that anxiety is just rife among our young people and not just our young people. There's the unrelenting stress of the pace of life, work, finances that just seem to be grinding so many people down. There's this complete confusion of identity that we see, this idea that we can create our own truth and that we must force those around us to change their behaviour to validate our truth. And the anger and the bitterness when that doesn't happen because it's not possible to force everybody to validate your truth. And then the feelings of loss and devastation when things that they thought would bring freedom actually don't and they don't make them happy. You know, we see trauma, we see addiction, just so many people lost. People so desperate they're taking their own lives. The devil comes after us in our mind. The fowler wants to catch us in his snare and wants us to fall victim to the pestilence of sin, to turn from God to our own way. And that is the lock on our life. It's Satan's schemes, it's sin that leads to destruction. All of humanity, since the fall in the Garden of Eden, have been locked into sin. But remember that we have the key. We have the power to choose God. We have that power because of the gift of free will and the way that was made for us by Jesus on the cross. And what happens when we use that power to say God is my refuge? What can we unlock? When we choose to make that move towards God, he then comes to us and his power is unlocked and we receive deliverance, rescue and protection. You know, if we look back through the verses of the psalm there, we see this amazing picture of God's wings of protection, a refuge from the destruction all around. And some commentators have noted that these wings may speak of the Ark of the Covenant, where the wings of the cherubim overshadow the Ark, where God's very presence rests. And we can have protection in that very same presence of God himself. And we will only look on at the destruction all around, but won't be harmed. You know, I said there that the enemy comes after us in our mind. And I, when I think of the arrows that's mentioned in this psalm, you know, I think of the thoughts that we have going through our mind, negative thoughts. I heard a girl speaking the other week. She was actually trained in CBT. And she said, you know, we can't stop thoughts popping into your head, but we can become aware of negative thoughts 
challenge them and redirect them to something more positive. And I think there's a lot of value in that and people do use that in a secular sense, you know, they sort of have these positive affirmations that they will repeat over and I think it's good to put yourself into a more positive mindset but how much more value though as Christians when we redirect our thoughts to scripture and to truth like the truth contained within this psalm to dwell in the knowledge that God is protecting us and we can find refuge under his wings you know we're not just using our willpower alone but we are able to avail of the help of the Holy Spirit and verse 9 says, because you have made, and I thought that word was interesting, you know, it's not a passive thing, a word that we would almost just skip over, but it's really to appoint, to lay your hands upon, to establish and determine. You know, it requires your action, it requires a bit of fight to make that choice, to make the Lord your dwelling place. And then it says, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. And I don't think this means as Christians that we are immune from suffering or disease. You know, we know that through experience that there's sickness, there's hardship, there's grief and death, even for the most faithful to God. And the psalm itself actually says in verse 15, you know, I will be with him in trouble. We're going to have trouble. And Jesus told us that too. He said, in this world, you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. But we can have peace in the midst of trouble, a deep sense that God is with us, no matter what life throws at us. And in fact, even in death, when the devil thinks that he has won, if a person has surrendered their life to God and come under his authority and chosen to make him their dwelling, then death gives way to victory and they're united with God in glory. So let's just look on at the rest of the verses just to see more of the power of God that is unlocked. Verse um, 11 there says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And funnily enough, that means all your ways, all your journey, all your course of life, everything that happens to you. And I think that can be our fear sometimes that maybe something we have done or something another person has done or an experience that we have had will somehow knock us off course and that we'll be disqualified from the good things God has for us. But you don't need to fear that your circumstances are robbing you of something that God has for you. God has angels guarding the course of your life, bearing you up, carrying you, supporting you and sustaining you, preventing you from striking your foot against a stone or stumbling. It reminded me of that verse, you know, that we all know from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Verse 13, then it says, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. And again, we're talking about Satan. And this psalm is really about spiritual warfare, particularly um, these verses. And the word tread in the original can also mean to march forth. And as we do, we will bend and crush the lion and the adder underfoot. We will trample on the devil and his schemes. 
And I think sometimes we think that spiritual warfare is this some kind of like glamorous thing that only the top Christians and preachers do and it's too difficult, you know, for the ordinary Christian to understand. But I actually believe that spiritual warfare is in the simple act of continuing to put one foot in front of the other, daily taking small steps towards God, marching forth, daily choosing the right things, no matter how small and no matter how difficult. I read a book recently by an author called Darlene Rayburn. She's a South African um, girl, and she talks about this concept of doing the next right thing. Do you know when we are totally overwhelmed, when we don't know what to do, just do the next right thing. And by making this choice, we are engaging in spiritual warfare and thwarting the plans of the enemy. Verse 14 then says, because he loves me, because he holds fast to me, I will deliver him. And you know, it's not because he's highly educated, not because he has achieved this, that or the other, or he's kept up with his Bible plan and had full attendance at church this year. It's because he loves me, I will deliver him. It says, I will protect him because he knows my name. And that particular word protect, and it's lost in the translation to English. When I look back at it, it means to be placed inaccessibly high, too high for capture, safely set on high. And I just thought that was a beautiful picture. You know, if we come under his wings, under his protection, if we go down low, he will bring us up high, safely on high. And the knowing of God is a discerning of his character through experience. The longer we walk with God, the more we will know and trust his character, and we will be less shaken and tossed about when trouble comes our way. And I don't think that looks perfect by any means. I know in my life it certainly hasn't looked perfect. You sort of navigate one storm and you think, okay, I've learned something there. But then the next thing comes along in a different way or maybe from a different angle. And we still have that disorientation and doubt until we find our way through and back into a place of peace and resting in God's character. Verse 15 then says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. And this word can also be translated respond. And I think that puts a different slant on it. You know, we ask God for something and we really want to hear the answer yes. Here you go, here is that thing that you asked for. But sometimes, or perhaps oftentimes, we don't get that. But God does respond to us. He draws near to us with his presence and his comfort and strength. I will be with him in trouble. That's what I mentioned earlier. The psalm isn't promising an absence of trouble. It's promising his presence in spite of trouble. I will rescue him and honour him. And again, this word rescue, it's a different uh, meaning than maybe that protect that we had spoken about. This word actually means to remove, to withdraw, to equip for war, to make strong, to brace up and invigorate. And I think this is something that God has been teaching me lately is kind of about wilderness type experiences. 
you know, when you think you're maybe on course and you have a good plan and then something happens and the plan completely falls apart and we find ourselves in the wilderness. Something, um, sometimes what's happening is God is actually drawing us out and it can be confusing and painful, but if we intentionally choose to dwell in God's presence, we can learn deep truths about God. It becomes a time of equipping for war, for battles and victories that God has ahead. And I think maybe the longer and the harder this experience, I believe the stronger we will emerge and the greater the victories we will win. He will honour us. We don't have to seek honour for ourselves. And finally, the last verse says, With a long life, I will satisfy and fulfil and show him my salvation. You know, isn't that what we long for? A life of fulfilment, to see God's goodness and salvation on earth. So just to finish, if you want to put the last slide up there. So I want us just to, to think about ourselves, our own situation, our own relationship with God. You know, if we view our life in our earthly bodies as a tent you know where is our tent pitched maybe if i can just ask you to close your eyes because i'm going to pray in a few moments and i just want you to think and to speak to god about have you pitched your tent within the shelter of the most high within the shadow of the almighty under his protection and authority and there might be someone listening today who for the first time wants to say yes to God, who wants to use the power they have to choose, to say, I will place my life in you, God. I will make you my refuge and my fortress. And there are those who have already made that decision to say yes to God, who have pitched their tent as it were in his shadow but maybe rain or storms or danger have made you doubt your refuge. Maybe you've been looking at the destruction around you and you've become fearful. Your tent has crept to the very edge of the shadow and it's just clinging on. Maybe you've even hammered in a couple of tent pegs back into the world just outside the shadow, you know, in case placing parts of your trust in things that are not truly solid. And perhaps today is the day where you decide to move your tent firmly and squarely back into the middle of a shadow of protection. So I'll pray in a few moments as we close, maybe Aaron, if you want to come up. So if we go back to those verses or the verse two, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Lord, I thank you that a way has been made for us to come into your presence by the death of Jesus that the veil has been opened, that we can choose you, God. We can choose 
to place our life in you. And Lord, we know that that doesn't mean the absence of trouble, Lord. And I just pray for anyone here this morning who has really been feeling those storms, who's really, you know, felt like there's been destruction all around them, Lord. I just pray that you would meet them and give them that ability to choose you to fully place their lives and their tent, as it were, in your shadow of protection. And Lord, we know this Christian life isn't easy, Lord, and we can become disorientated and we can become doubtful, but I just pray that even as we worship, Lord, your Holy Spirit would be speaking to hearts and just doing the work that only you can do, Lord. And maybe for the first time, or maybe as a recommitment to you, God, we want to pray that. We want to say that, Lord, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. You know, we're smaller here in number this morning, but we can still worship and God's presence is here. So do feel free if you want to respond in prayer, to pray out loud, or if you want to share a verse, or if you want to pray even part of that psalm, just speaking to God and placing your trust and commitment to him, just Feel free to do that this morning as we worship in his presence. Mm -hmm. 